Well, hello and welcome to Heart of Indie Radio. We have Greg Haver, a Welsh music producer who's based in New Zealand. He is known for his work with Manic Street Preachers and Melanie C. He's worked with a number of award-winning singles and albums. He is uh, amazing, and he's taken the time to speak with me tonight on Heart of Indie Radio. So let's welcome Greg Haver. How are you? I'm good. You're very kind. You say nice things about me. Oh no, you are. You've just you've got a great reputation. You've produced great music. You are yeah, I'm just super excited that we get to have you on our show. Oh, I'm, um, it's, it's, I'm very happy to, <laughs> to be here. Um, you've worked with a number of well-known New Zealand artists as well as producing albums for The Feelers, Op Shop, Kimbra and Goodnight Nurse. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your journey as a producer, musician, recording mixing engineer? Um, any incredible moments you'd like to share and also do you ever sleep? <laughs> I do. I, I, I do sleep now. I, I find being in New Zealand much more relaxing than being back in Europe. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of like a thirty-year journey, really. I started off as a drummer. I was. I, I used to. I, I just played in lots, and I just really enjoyed the studio process. I'd be in the studio recording with people, and, and they could never get rid of me. I'd just stay there and I'd watch all the producers and engineers working. And thought that might be a, a really nice way to kind of like move into that side of of the of the industry later in my career after I'd stopped being a musician. And um, so that's kind of how it started. But really, then you look at trying to find a route into it and think, well, you know, I'd like to be a producer by being a songwriter. Or, but eventually, it happened because I bought a, a small studio in Cardiff with a friend of mine. And um, it was at the start of the kind of Welsh music explosion in the mid-90s, Manic Street Preachers, Catatonia, Super Furry Animals, Stereophonics. So we were kind of at the hub of all that. So by a, a kind of weird path, I ended up being a producer by being in the right place at the right time, which is kind of like happens for a lot of producers, I guess. But before that, I was I was a session drummer for years. I, I played with this Canadian guy called Corey Hart I played for. I played for Roger Daltrey, Daryl Hall. Um, it was a Welsh Bank Waterfront. We had a big hit in the States. So I spent a lot of time there with them. Um, so it was it was a kind of long, tortuous, arduous journey to being a producer. And then, I mean, New Zealand was kind of strange. When literally, I was on tour with the Manic Street Preachers. So I did a couple of years with them playing live as percussionist, which was, again, was quite fun and strange. And because um, <laughs> I, I was never a percussionist, I just played on a few of their records and I kind of, they asked me two weeks before the, the greatest hits to do I want to come on the road. So I did that for two years. Um, but um, while I was on that tour, my manager, Stephen Budd, phoned up and said, mate, do you want to go to New Zealand? And I'm like, well, I'll go there because I'll never, ever get a chance to go there again. And 17 years later, I'm sitting in my living room oh in New Zealand being a New Is Zealand that... citizen. So it's, it, was like, it, was never, it was never planned. It was just purely, I've always tended to kind of go with, the way the universe takes me and yeah. and this kind of and now it's taking me to a like a house in Didarangi. So um so here we are. And it's, so that's, that is amazing. that's a really a really, really potted history of my last like forty years in, in the music industry. Wow. So it, I think, you know, obviously you're you you are an open person. And I would you would you say that that has a lot to do with the projects that have come your way, just being sort of I mean, obviously, there's the right place at the right time, but you also have to be willing to say yes and take that leap of faith. Do you do you think that that's kind of been how how you've sort of ended up where oh, you are? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've always got to say yes to projects, even if you you were terrified by saying yes. I mean, mm. some of the the advice I give to a lot of young producers is 
if, if you get offered a project, you've just got to take it because especially when you're younger, now I'm much more reserved about the things I take on. But when you're trying to build a career, it's some of the, you know, there's it, that great story that um, the Jimmy Iovine story about how he was at home at, at um, on Thanksgiving with his family in the studio called, you've got to come in and do the session. 99 people out of 100 would have said, no, I'm at home with Thanksgiving with my family. He went in, it was a John Lennon session. It changed his life. And, um, wow. you know, it's like those sort of things happen a lot. I, I remember being at home in Cardiff and the BBC phoned up and said, this is obviously not in the same league, but the BBC phoned up and said, um, you can work in SSL, can't you? And I said, yes, never having touched one in my life before. <laughs> uh, SSL mixing desk. And, um, and uh, I went in and said to the, the house engineer, look, just between you and me, I've never, um, I've never touched an SSL before, so you, can you help me for the day? And he was like, Oh, it's my first day too. I've never touched one either. So, so me and and who became and the person who became my great friend and longtime engineer, Lars Williams, we just fumbled our way through day one. Nobody knew any different, and I ended up doing five years of of radio sessions for the BBC. So you just you take the opportunities wow. and you kind of like grab them and you just figure it out on the fly and you just show no fear. And I mean, also producers in general, we we have pretty big egos. You know, we sort of. We're, they tend to be quite big personalities, so you kind of like, you can bluster your way through a lot of things. But saying that, leading up to that point was twenty years, fifteen, twenty years in recording studios, learning, crafting, trying to get really good at it. So when the opportunity arrives, you know how to deal with situations. So, so yes, say yes, but also you've got to craft. You can't. You will get found out if you don't know what you're doing. That's and you get found out pretty quick. So you've got to like you've got to say yes to everything, but but also put the groundwork in and really you know get your ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand hours in and learn the craft, and then and then you'll be fine. That's awesome. I, I love that because I think yeah, so so much of life is is it is it is about showing up, but then you need to show up well. And I like yeah. how you've reiterated that you know you say yes, but you also need to put in the time. Uh, and also, I think just to get the respect that you that you do have in the industry, it's because you have put in the time uh, and the energy and the focus. And I think that that's, you know, a, a lot of our up and coming uh, artists that we feature on our, our radio show. And that's something that we're always telling them, you know, it is it is about putting in the time. And, and yes, you've got to have the talent, obviously, but uh, you've got to also I mean, put there, in the work and, uh, I mean, and there the is, focus. There, yeah, there is an, there is some lack involved. I mean, the. I've I've always had this um, sort of thing about you never know who the person who's going to walk in your door will be, and often it's the most unlikely person. It's not necessarily the person who um, you know you just that one person. Like you know, I have a friend, Amy Ward. She writes for she she's a great songwriter. She she worked really hard to try and build her own career, and then she was looking for young songwriters to work with. And the first person her published set was Ed Sheeran, and then she ends up winning a Grammy Award. And now she, um, you know, now she writes, you know, with arts all over the world. But that one person changed her life, Joel Little and, and Ella, you know, it's like for a New Zealand example. You know, you just have that one person that comes in and, you know, for me, it was the Manic Street Preachers. I happened to be in the studio one night. They needed an engineer. And James Bradfield was like, do you want to do the session? And, and I was so terrified, even though I'd spent a lot of time in studios. And then I ended up, it ended up being like nine, 10 years worth of work because, you know, it went well wow. and, you know, we built a relationship and, and um, so you just, yeah, you've got to be ready for it, but, you know, somebody will, will change, you know, how people perceive you because the industry is about perception. So you, yeah. 
you know, I, I always joke that my gravestone will read Greg brackets Mannix Haver because that's how I'm usually described on the internet or, or, or any press releases. But you take it because, you know, you, you sort of, without them, my career would be have a very different path. I wouldn't be sitting here where I am sitting now. If I hadn't said yes to James that night or I hadn't been available, I, who knows where I could have ended up. So you just never know, you know what path you know, the world has to sort of take you, really. No, that's that's very true, and I think I think a lot. You know, our listeners that are tuning in tonight will will really appreciate that. I think any sort of um, you know encouragement and wise words from someone that you know obviously has 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 had the career that you have is just going to be inspiring. So that that's really cool. You've worked with amazing big name talent, but then you've also been very active in encouraging up and coming artists here in New Zealand. Uh, for example, Apro Ambrose uh, song, song Hubs, just to name a few. Uh, our listeners would love to know about any of the music pro- uh, programs that you're involved with, but also do you think your adventures have sort of influenced the advice and guidance that you've been able to give the New Zealand talent um, for, for those listeners who are obviously overseas that maybe aren't familiar with, with song hubs? I mean, it's um, because, well, you know, when we decided myself and my wife, Jackie decided to move back to New Zealand because she's from here. I met her here when I was producing an op shop album. Second Man Planet album for them. I met her on the last day of that record. And um, when we decided to move here, I felt it was really important that that I contributed to the music industry rather than took from the music industry here. So, because right. I've had a good career. And and the one thing that I have got, um, Jackie says it's my superpower, is I know lots of people. And I know lots of people who, you know, Amy Wodge being an example, I produced Amy's very first record when she was a young musician and now she's an international songwriter. So, so actually the, the, the initial song hubs idea came out of a discussion with her at Borough Market in London. I was talking about, I'd love to bring some songwriters over to New Zealand and, you know, hook them up with, 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 uh, with young artists here and just try and sort of like create more of a culture of collaborative songwriting. So I went to see um, Aunt Healy at APRA in Auckland and um, and he was like, oh, right, well, we've got the Song Hubs program that Australia are already, re- already running and we're looking to get it set up. We've been trying to get it set up for a while in, in New Zealand. And um, I said, well, great. Well, I've got time. I've got contacts. Why don't I go out and see what I can I can set up? So so I sort of start, start make some initial contacts with producers and songwriters that I knew. And then, then I teamed up with Victoria Kelly at APRA. And we've kind of done now, done five years. There's been six Song Hubs event in that time. Um, it's basically, I go out, find major international songwriters, entice them to come to New Zealand, and, and then set them up at Roundhead Studios. We set six studios up there, have six writing rooms, four people in every room. So every year we come out with, this year it was like 33 songs written over the course of the week. But, but what is really about the songs are a really great part of it. But what, what it's really about is getting young artists used to going into a, a writing room with four strangers so they can go to L.A. or Nashville or London and not be freaked out by that situation. Because that's the industry is so much built around collaboration and collaborative songwriting now. And the um, and also just to create inter-New Zealand networks. So when the international writers have gone home. There's all that you've you've built up small networks of writers within within the people who've attended song hubs. And then there are the wider plans to make that a regional thing as well. So it's really just to kind of gently change the idea that collaboration in New Zealand is a really important way of songwriting. It's not for everybody, but it's a, such mm-hmm. a huge part of the industry now. 
so, so the songhouse programs you know i've been really proud of the way that's that, that that's that's turned out um but i also do a similar thing for music producers called the uh, museum music producer series where similar i bring international record producers we've had sylvia massey andrew sheps uh, gil norton some amazing people coming over and they do workshops for young producers and engineers or anybody working professionally within the industry um and the, the third thing i've been working on with chris chatton at cog is setting up the music producers guild to give protections for young music producers so these are all things that i felt were i could i could i could bring my contacts and and years in the industry to help the industry here is great it's really supportive you know financially supportive and um and there's, there's really good people working in the industry who really care about new zealand music and really are, are working to make it a global force so i just do my little my bit for it and hopefully that helps and um and i just rather than just spend my life sitting in a darkened room uh, making more <laughs> records so i've done that a lot and i still love making records i love the process and i really love the creativity and there's so many great young artists here to work with and i've been working with with miranda eason on her new record and she's fantastic and and there's um there's an australian artist on nathan foley i've been working with and it's just been really it's fun to get back in the studio and use use those skills that you kind of built up over the years but really what's most satisfying is watching young artists increase their creativity and become sort of uh, musical forces so that's that's kind of you know that's that's the goal of my i think that's a worthwhile way to spend my time here absolutely and i mean you must be so proud when you do kind of sit back and watch especially with song song hubs um for those of you that maybe aren't aware there was a swedish uh seminar that was last week and then you guys spent a solid week right uh with, with all yeah. of these uh amazing songwriters from sweden and you know just from because i know some of the people that attended and they just have been buzzing from you know just working with each other and uh and and just the process you must just sit back and go wow you know i i i helped create this and now it's taken on this whole new chapter which is just i mean did you did you imagine that it would be like that when you when you envisioned it in the beginning and i thought it would be beneficial i didn't think it would just be the love fest that it's become it's like <laughs> it's such a wonderful wonderful week and you know and it's like it's it's um the sad thing for me about it is there's another 20 artists who could easily have earned a place on it. We're so we get around 200 app. The application process is quite difficult. The bar's quite high anyway. We have about 200 applications every year, and there's there's like 20 places. So it's there are so many great artists that I that I can't accommodate that I really want to, and um, so the idea of doing a, a next tier of it, um, featuring artists that have been on the main one, is that's my kind of next sort of quest really to make that happen regionally. So, um, so, you know, I'll be having discussions with APRA about doing that. But, yeah, I'm really proud. I mean, I, I'm, I've also, this year, I'm going to, I'm, this is the last year I'm going to create the daily, the daily matchups because I decide who works with who and everything. I think it's important to diversify the curation process, uh, but I'll just stay involved in a more of a backroom role. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's probably the most satisfying thing I've done in, in the music industry in the last 40 years. It's, uh, it's just a real joyous occasion. So much great music is written. So many diverse styles of music are written, and um, and and just yeah, I was it was this year particularly was one of my proudest moments I think, and and having um uh, uh, uh and Kings and uh, Rob Ruha and Rory Noble do a hacker for me at the end was like pr one of my sort of most wonderful life moments. 
it was just uh yeah it was it was deeply special and um yeah i was uh, i was uh, pretty proud of the whole thing really that's all i can't stop smiling just i'm just imagining you know that how, how it must be you know after five yeah. years in the city back yeah. and, and I mean, I looking can... at it and the, and the relationships too that that have started and have you know obviously blossomed and have continued uh within the group um every year i think yeah. is is really a testament to how you know how successful it's been um because you know we we live in a in a, in a relationship human human nature connection time uh now more than ever um so i think it's really cool to see yeah i was i was excited um you know just hearing stories and and it was neat to be in the room just for one of those nights um i yeah i just loved it um do you have any advice for um obviously a lot of people probably ask you um for advice um i imagine but do you have any advice that you'd like to give our our listeners you know who are artists who maybe haven't recorded music before, um, maybe they've they've been concentrating on saving and making a plan and doing songwriting. How do they go about finding the right producer, and how can how can they effectively communicate the sound that they're wanting? Because I think that that's something that's, um, yeah. I just I wonder if there's sort of some I don't know maybe three your top three things that you would you would say to these young artists that are wanting to put their dreams out there. I mean. The beauty of production now, you know, I'm very much an old school producer. I, I, I put a, a room full of musicians together. I shout at them a lot and we make a record. You know, it's a, it's a very old school process. I pick the songs, I work on arrangements. I often play on those records. Whereas the young breed of producers, like, like the young producers at Song Hubs and, and, and so many other great young producers working in New Zealand nowadays, you know, it's, it's easier to translate, help the artists translate what they want to do. Also, the, uh, most of the artists do a certain degree of self-production. So they open a laptop up, they have, they have plugins, they can create something that gives the person they're working with, the producer they're working with, an impression of what they're trying to achieve. Also, a playlists on Spotify are really useful for producers. The first thing I ask for when I meet a new artist um, that we could potentially work together is, give me a playlist of your 10 favorite songs and tell me why you like them. And it's, it's, it's hugely useful because then you create a vocabulary of how you're going to communicate within the studio. And you both help help each other find new music, and um, it could be as as really minor as I really love the hi hat pattern in verse two of that song, but you know it, it gives you something to connect with. You know, it could be that this whole thing song sounds amazing, or this vocal's great. How do I get that guitar sound? That drum sound is great. So so you build up that vocabulary. That's so the communication is really important with with a producer. I mean, produ- producer the producer artist relationships are really strange one. Because it doesn't, you haven't got to be best friends, but you've got to be able to, you've got to be honest with each other. It's, I always liken it to a holiday romance. You have this really <laughs> intense relationship for a very, yeah. for a short period of time. I mean, you've made records, you know what it's yeah. like. It's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's quite an intense, deep relationship for a very short period of time. And then you might never see each other again. So it's like, um, you know, and that, and that intensity is, that's, it's important to have that because without the honesty, if you've been able to say to the artist, actually, that verse is rubbish, or, you know, I wouldn't say it quite as brutally as that. Maybe we can <laughs> rewrite the second verse, you know, like a bit of tact helps. So, um, so communication and is, is for me, is this number one, always number one. Um, it's important for the, the artist to re- really listen to the work the producer's done. Several times I've had, had meetings and and the and found the artists never even listened to a record that I've made. They've just based their choice on the artists that I've worked with. 
so so this name recognition is very Mm. important in the music industry so i say well why don't you go away listen to some music i've done and see if i'm still the right person um because i think as a producer sometimes you've got to say i'm actually not the right person for this job but you should give this person a call because they'd be great for you and that's a hard thing to do when you're starting up because you need you need work you need to pay your rent you need to pay the mortgage you need to, to live but it's like, I know that goes counted me saying, say yes to everything, but sometimes you are the wrong producer for the job. Mm. Um, I've been lucky that I'm quite diverse and I can make a metal record and a country record. And because essentially for me, the principles of recording are the same. I just change the personnel depending on the sort of genre I'm working in. But um, so, yeah, so that communication, um, just the, you know, I think, I mean, it's hard to pick three things that would be, to, yeah, you know, because every, everything, <laughs> every, everything stems from communication. That, that sort yeah. of, um, I think artists are naturally quite fragile because the rejection is such a huge part of the music industry. Mm-hmm. And, and I think don't be frightened to, to approach producers. You'd be surprised who will say yes. It's like when I started off production, um, you know, 20, like full time music production 20 years ago. The only way for an artist to reach me was they'd contact my manager and my manager would contact me and said, um, but he'd probably also contact several of his other producers and say, right, this artist wants a producer, go and pitch for them. That's how I got the Mal C record. I pitched with like 17 other producers for the job. And um, I just happened to do a better pitch than everybody else. But it was like nowadays, albums literally come by, you know, a message on Instagram saying, dude do you want to make my record you know okay well, let's have a coffee and have a chat about it and yeah you know it's that easy so and uh, and a lot of the songwriters that have come to song hubs will say just send me a song just send me a link on 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 instagram and i'll and i'll have a listen and it's like wow that's really easy and um there was that great story that 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 uh, that shy martin and nirav islam told um uh, at the at the seminar you were at the other day about um they got they got the the cut with the chain smokers they literally went to google and said chain smokers email and put it yeah. in google and they found an email and sent them a, 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 the song was basically just a, a bass drum a pad and a vocal and like 24 hours later the, their management came back and said don't give this song to anybody else and it became it became a hit for the chain smokers it can sometimes be that incredibly easy but they were just like they had no fear they just went out and did it so i would always encourage artists just to just just contact the people you admire you know once you get past that thing of being freaked out i mean i still i'm still a fanboy if i meet an artist or a producer that i that i love i'm just total i'm just a total fanboy i remember <laughs> uh, i remember i remember pinning one producer pretty much to the wall for three hours at a studio once because i was brought up on his records and like just asking about every single record that, that, that they had made you know how they did it and i'm sure they were really glad to get away but you know don't be People will talk to you and it's like, you know, we're all just musicians kind of trying to get on, make a living, make some cool music, you know, have a good life and, you know, enjoy the world. You know, we just, we're all, we're, and we've all been through that stage of we've got no money, we're trying to pay the rent. It's like we're sleeping in the back of vans, trying to sort of like going on gigs down the motorway. It's like we've all been there. Everyone understands that, you know, it's like just some, Musicians are, are all the same. They just some have got have been more successful or perceived to be more successful than others. So, you know, we, it's amazing how approachable most people are. So just get in touch and just 
I mean, don't hassle them, but just, hi, I'm, you know, could you have a quick listen to a track, you know? Although the one thing I'd say don't do is approach the producer, ask for his advice, go to a different producer, and then come back to the same producer for the, for the, some, the advice on the stuff you've done with someone else. Because that's just rude. And that happens a lot. You'd be surprised how often that happens. Wow, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. And it's, it's like, it's kind of rude. You know, just have some, have some manners, you know. Yeah. As my grandfather said, manners go a very long way, you know. They, cert- they certainly yes. do. I yeah, totally they do. agree. Yeah. Um, so that would, be, that would be my, <laughs> that would be very, <laughs> unless your grandfather was from, from Glenavon. In no, Wales. no, I'm just kidding. That, no. Yeah, that's something my grandfather would have said as well. He was a musician and he was, yeah, he was big on, you know, manners and everything. I'm just wondering, you know, because obviously our listeners are going to want to know um, more about you and they're going to want to follow you on social media um, and listen to the music you've produced. Um, if they, if they haven't already, they probably have. Um, where can they find you on social media? And, uh, and do you have like a, uh, like a website or something that you can tell us about? Yeah. I mean, I'm the easiest person to find because there are not many Greg Havers um, who, if you do a Google search, I'll come up and a Poland football coach called Greg Haber will come up. I'm not the <laughs> Poland football coach, but I'm the other guy. It's right, like, okay. I, it's, I mean, it's, uh, Instagram's, um, you know, uh, Greg Haver. Uh, what was it? What's, what, what would Instagram be? I'm just I Greg Haver just on at, Instagram. Yeah, at Greg Haver. Yeah, at Greg and Haver. Then you're on Twitter the, as well? The, yeah, at Greg Haver on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, my management site is um, Stephen Budd management site, which is um, record-producers.com. But really, honestly, if you just put Greg Haver in, 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 in Google, there's not many of us. Or put Greg Haver producer. I remember, I okay. remember when I first met my wife, Jackie, she, her dad was trying to suss me out online to see if I was worthy of his daughter. And he just put Greg producer in, in Google and he found me. In fact, he found me so easily in his eyes made me okay <laughs> oh wow that's amazing well thank you google yeah. thank you google yes it, it, okay. it, so so obviously I, 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 um, chris loads approved of my of my um of my sort of google <laughs> status enough to let me marry his daughter so it was uh, it was all it all worked out good like i say actually, it's, the uni- it's the universe <laughs> we have to thank google because that's the reason why you ended up in new zealand really <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like quite, it's quite funny. Um, well, it's been a real privilege and an honor to speak with you tonight on Heart of the Knee Radio. Thank you so much for, you know, your words of wisdom and just sort of being, you know, open and honest about, you know, some adventurous times. And uh, you're certainly someone to watch. So I'm excited that uh, that you've been on our show. And listeners, be sure to DM us on Twitter at Heart of Indie. Let us know what you thought of tonight's show. And do follow Greg because he's an awesome guy. And thank you very much. All right. Well, let's get back to the music right here on Heart of Indie Radio. <laughs> 